we have to get out in front of patients more. And we have to get out in front of patients saying what they need to hear, mm-hmm. which is you're going to hear this from your physician. And when they hear it, they're like, you know, I've heard somebody tell me that before. And we need to keep being in front of them. Hey, y'all, what's up? This is Aaron LeBauer. Welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful physical therapy practice without the headaches or conflict of interest that insurance companies bring. Before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your Cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the essential steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then go to cashptchecklist.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T, C-H-E-C-K-L-I-S-T dot com. Enter your first name and email and you'll get this essential checklist right away. Thanks, and now on to the show. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Cash PD Lunch Hour. We're coming to you from Greensboro, North Carolina at the home office. Today I have my one of my good friends and special guest, John Davidson from Calso PT. And I've got some snacks. Yes. I got some snacks, and we're gonna talk about cash-based PT and marketing and business and everything. So, John, welcome to to the show. It's only taken me two and a half years of knowing you. Right. To finally get my spot on the Cash PT Lunch Hour. <laughs> I'm pretty pumped about it. That's awesome. <laughs> so first, well, one, I want to introduce the snacks, because this is a really cool story. These are, do you want raisin or chocolate chip? Let's do raisin, since I already ate chocolate chip. So the first thing I said whenever I walked in was like, dude, I got to try those oatmeal cookies. So here they are. Yep. They really are everything they're cracked so up So here's do. the story of the oatmeal cookies. When I was racing bikes in San Francisco, this is one of the recipes I used to make because, I mean, I couldn't get enough calories in. You're riding for eight to 10 hours a day. You got to eat something. I know. It almost doesn't matter. 8,000 calories a day. It's like, I would come home from a ride. And you weighed 105 pounds. (laughs) Yeah, like 170. (laughs) Um, I would come home from a ride. On the way home, I would stop and get two sandwiches from like Bonnie sandwiches or a big burrito or a hamburger at the weird old hamburger joint down the place, down the road. And I'd eat, shower, and then, so I used to make these oatmeal cookies. And these are from Safeway, the back of the box of the Safeway. So I looked all over the internet for them. And I called my best friend, who Eric, who I used to live with. I was like, Eric, like, can you go check in the store? Like, I've been looking everywhere for these. Oh, and so, so good. So he's like, no, I'm checking the store. Two years later, I get a text message from him. He's like, check this out. I'm like, whoa, where'd you get it? He sent me a picture of the back and forth. His in-laws have been buying bulk oatmeal for over 10 years and using the same container. So I have the recipe now. I plan on making a blog post out of it. Because I don't know. There's got to be someone else looking for this. No, they really are that good. These are really good. They're full of sugar. And I usually don't even eat this much sugar, but they're pretty awesome. We know your opinions on donuts. So if you want the recipe. John, I'm going to tell a little story about John. John, I don't know, he moved here and... He contacted me a couple of years ago. He was like, I can't remember what you said. Like, hey, I'm, I'm afraid to contact because, I don't know, you're intimidated or, you know, like, I have a business and you're trying to start a business. So I'm like, oh, let's go eat, eat lunch. Or he came by the clinic. Yeah. And I hit it off immediately. I'm working at your gym for two years. I didn't like cross. I, I had a bad experience in CrossFit yeah. before. Came to your gym, felt like it was a safe place. So you had a, a better eye than a regular coach to say, hey, just do these things. I've been doing it for two years, and it's been great. And we meet regularly. Yeah. 
sort of somewhat regularly to eat lunch and, and chat and BS and we work out. And so I always have great conversations with you. I want to share some of them on the podcast, but I don't know. Can you talk about how you first heard about me and how we met and what's so going I had heard about Aaron. So when I first decided to move to Greensboro, so just a little background on me. I graduated in 2007 from physical therapy school from University of St. Augustine. And then my wife and I did travel for a while. And I, you know, honestly, owning a clinic wasn't ever anything, any, even, even on my radar because you don't come out of school. I don't know how other schools are. I can only speak on what the, the, my training was and my personal experience. Opening a clinic was not on the radar. It wasn't anything that was talked about. It was you're going to go to outpatient and that's all you're going to do. And I did the opposite. I went to home health to make a lot of money. And I did. And then just got really out of shape, gained a bunch of weight. All like college friends had started doing CrossFit and I was working at outpatient clinic and I started talking trash about CrossFit. And then one of them got hurt, came to me for physical therapy. And I was like, well, let me try it. And then when I, I said, I'm tired of having an opinion without actually knowing anything about the sport or the workout style or anything. So I showed up and I did it and loved it. And then after doing that for two years or so, I was like, I got to do this. I started teaching movement mobility, started going to other gyms and teaching movement mobility and just really kind of got into it because I felt like that way was doing all of the things that we really suck at as physical therapists, which is strength and conditioning. We're really good at getting people out of pain, reducing inflammation, gaining range of motion, but we kind of suck at everything else. This is how I felt. Whether that was real or not, I don't know. And so... I wanted to do it while well, I was living in a small town, didn't know what to do. So I started Googling. We thought about Greensboro. So I was like, who's, is anybody doing cash-based physical therapy? And so I, I Google searched it because I went to school at Jared Carter. Mm-hmm. And so I saw Aaron LeBauer and something about doing stuff with Jared Carter. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> I was like, all right. So then I moved up and then I finally messaged him and was like, listen, I was afraid because if it, a lot of you guys are physical therapists that are listening to this, the scarcity model is real. And you're all, we're all convinced that we're fighting over the same eight people. And then God forbid anybody else open another clinic in town. They're the enemy. They're the devil. They're trying to steal all my people. Mm-hmm. And that's the mentality that I grew up in as a physical therapist. I didn't want that mentality. So I reached out to Aaron. I was like, I don't know how he's going to perceive this. And he immediately was like, oh, man, come on, let's hang out. Let's go. Let's talk. And so we did and hit it off from day one and mm-hmm. been really good friends ever since. Yeah. So it's that's, been good. That's awesome. You know, I, I hear that a lot of people are like, well, there's already another cash practice open in my town or there are no cash practice open in my town. I don't know how anyone's going to see it. Or there's no cash practice. So it's a good opportunity. It's like it's not even about that. Right. It's not. You know, there's one. There's too many people that need what we do. They don't know what we do. And. When you're afraid that someone else is going to take your people, that's you're operating from the mindset that there's only one pie. Right. You know, but look, my oven kicks out as many oatmeal raisin cookies as I want it to. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> like I was even talking to Tyler earlier. Um, I stopped by Aaron's clinic before I came over just to say hey to Amber and Tyler. And we were talking about that. And, you know, what's really cool about cash physical therapy is that his market and the people that he talks to are totally different than the people that I talk to. Mm -hmm. Even though there may be overlap in the patient, like we may treat the same 45 year old Mary who has four kids and works full time and whatever. I run a completely different circle than Aaron does. Even though we hang out together all the time, his social, his social media presence 
hits a totally different market than my social media presence. There, there are a million people or so within like a, however many miles yeah. of where we live. Like, I'm pretty sure we can figure out 20. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't take that many people for us to be profitable and for us both to be successful. That's with four, five, 10, 25 major clinics. Yeah. People need help. Right. And I meet people, I met two people this morning that I signed up for discovery visits next week. It was a mom and a daughter who just happened to be standing there and asked me, who, what was I doing at the gym? It was at Strive. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm the physical therapist. And they said, somebody said something about doctor. And I said, yeah, I'm a doctor of physical therapy, you know. And and we got to talking and they're like, oh, well, I need help. They wouldn't even know where to go or what to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing them next week. That's awesome. You know, like who would have ever known? <laughs> Had nothing to do with my social media presence, you know? Right. So how did you... So you guys moved up here, your, your, well, your sister lives here, right? My sister lives here. So my sister moved up in 2004 because lo and behold, back then, the number one sports psychology program in the country was at UNCG. Mm-hmm. They had like the top guy. So she did clinical and sports psychology in 04. And okay. so my wife and I knew that we wanted to live somewhat close to a family, like of some sort. So when we looked at everywhere we wanted to live, I didn't want to live up north. Yeah. So when you moved here, do you know you're going to open your own clinic or did you like say like, all right, I got this. You had a great home health job where you were now. Were you, did you just say, OK, I'm going to do that? Or was there something that shifted? And it's like, OK, I need to open my own business. When I started doing the mobility stuff at CrossFit and started helping people and knew people who needed help. And I charged. I remember I, <laughs> I remember charging. I remember telling this girl I was going to help her out because she was having all these pain. And couldn't figure it out. And I said, well, I'll do it. It's a hundred dollars a session. And I was like, in no way she's going to pay this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right. And she wrote the check and I immediately felt guilty and bad. <laughs> but I was like, this may actually work. Right. I right. think I saw her two or three times. And I was like, I don't know why she's paying me all this money. I don't deserve all this money. Like I'm not doing anything is mm-hmm. what I felt mentally. But I was like, man, I really want to do this. I really want to open a clinic and own a CrossFit. I really wanted to do both. And so when I looked at, Greensboro, there was no cross. There was one, but it was one in a square mile, a five mile square mile radius. It was like plenty of room for another one. Right. And then it actually went out of business when I moved in. Oh, wow. And I wanted to buy the building so bad, but it was $500,000. And I was like, which really isn't that bad of a price to be right on old battleground. It'd have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any money. Yeah. What, um, why'd you feel bad? For charging $100 for PT? I didn't have the mental psychology prepped for it yet. I was mm-hmm. used to seeing everybody for free in home health yeah. and that nobody paid any money out of pocket. It all went towards Medicare. And so for me to think about a patient paying money out of pocket, someone paying money out of pocket for what I did because I did not value what I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't think what I did was worth anything because coming out of school, everything just went through insurance or they may, if they paid a copay, it was all up front with the front desk and outpatient. And I never, I never knew any of that. Yeah. Didn't have that conversation. Yeah. Never had had that conversation before. And it was very difficult for me. So it mostly comes from a disconnect of not knowing what people are paying or is it from something else? A disconnect for me for and you my personal or, value. Yeah. Personal value. Like I didn't feel like my expertise, even though I was very confident in what I knew and somebody would come in with this and I would under, I knew what to do to help them out. I didn't value that monetarily mm-hmm. because if I had friends come to the clinic, I would treat them for free. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? An outpatient. It was like, all right, everybody goes in, yeah. unless you're a friend of mine, 
then I'll treat you for free. Yeah. Come on, it's a good old boy system, you know? Right. And so growing up in that, when I actually wanted to charge somebody, I was like, I don't know why she's paying me. She even came up to me at one point, like after three sessions, and I, I couldn't schedule her again. I was so intimidated. Yeah. She goes, so John, what are your plans? Because I want to see you like five or six more times. Like, yeah. what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was so intimidated. It was so out of my comfort zone. And I know that there are other therapists out there that feel the same way. Yeah. It was so intimidating. So how'd you make that switch? Like, are you able to now say, you know, yeah, that's gonna be 150 bucks or whatever it is and feel comfortable with people paying you? Yeah, because then I started putting myself in the, in the customer situation. I think that's where I never was doing it. I had said a hundred times over, if I knew, like I had plantar fasciitis before. And I was like, I would, I remember looking at Courtney, that's my wife and saying, I would pay $1,500 right now if I knew that I could get better. Mm-hmm. I would write that check and not even hesitate. That was like the first step. Yeah. And then like I've taken golf lessons in the past and they charged me a hundred, whatever dollars, a hundred bucks a session or whatever. And I'm like, I write it without worrying about it. And I'm like, right. why do I pay for him or go get a massage or do whatever? And I pay for it and I don't even, I'm happy about it. Yeah. But when I go to charge somebody for a service that I feel like I'm more valuable, more educated than some of these people when it comes to getting people more functional and getting the most out of their life. Why don't I feel the same way about me? Mm-hmm. And it was it was kind of like, oh, you shouldn't think like your customer. Right. Don't think like you. Don't think like the clinician. It took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is there was there a moment where like the where you're like, oh, I get it now, or did it just come on gradually? It's it's come on gradually, and then it, it goes and it, it's kind of roller coasters, which I'm sure you feel the same way. <laughs> I'll give somebody, hey, it'll be you know, fourteen hundred dollars for us to work through this, and like, hey, it'll be you know, one hundred fifty dollars a session. Yep, that's about that's that's about what I expected. That's mm-hmm. fine. Or I charge one fifty, and like, you should charge more than that. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there'll be times like that, and then there'll be other times where. Nobody wants to buy anything right. because it's I'm having a, the wrong conversation mm-hmm. and I'm hitting on the wrong points that they need me to hit on, and so then it'll be like, man, maybe I'm really can't do this, mm-hmm. you know? So I go or they object. They're like, oh no way, that's way too much. I so can it's get gone, it yeah. Down the street, but it like from where I'm at mentally today to now, I don't even I don't even worry about it now. Yeah. You're either gonna buy it or not buy it. That's fine because if you don't want it, somebody else wants it who really wants help. Yeah, and talking to Amber and Tyler next door. You have the best clients. And the reason you have the best clients is because you mm-hmm. value what you do. And and whenever they have their conversations, they value themselves because it's a commodity. The people who really want to get better are going to invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. The people who don't want to get better don't want to invest. And that's not who we want to spend our time with. Right. It's, it's demoralizing. And other physical therapists can attest to this. You work in a traditional outpatient clinic. You've got workman's comp patients or you've got these low back patients. Every time you see a low back on there, you you get demoralized because they don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. They're not paying for it. You're stuck dealing with their attitude. Right. And they don't want to be there. It's like, why am I doing this? And it sucks all the life out of what we do on a day-to-day basis versus these people who are invested in themselves, who are excited about showing up, who are ready to get better. It's a completely, totally different experience. Yeah. You know... Well, I, I like it just brings up this story that I have when I was a student because I didn't work 
anywhere else. I didn't work for anyone else, which is kind of funny. But <laughs> I realized by the time I graduated, that I didn't like working for other people. But um, my one of my clinical rotations, we had one of those people. It's like a I don't know if she was workers' comp or she wasn't workers' comp. She's twenty dollar copayer. Ten dollars. Yeah. It was whatever. She's supposed to come in three times a week. She came in once every two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. I was there for eight weeks. I saw her three times. And the third time I was like, I said to my CI, well, why don't we just discharge her? She's not getting any better. He's like, well, if we discharge her, it'll look bad to the physicians who send us patients. I'm like, how's it going to look bad if we aren't able to get someone better? He's like, well, we've discharged someone and they're not showing up. And that scarcity model and that they're so afraid of ruining a relationship because they're going to remove that one avenue to get patients Right. Versus how the we do it, Google and Facebook and Instagram and physicians and word of mouth and, and mailers and, right. and, 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 and you got 18 revenues or 18 streams where people can come in and where you mm-hmm. can get clients from. And they're stuck with just the one physician or this one physician group who right. where that physician group can decide whether you're in business or not. Yeah. To me, I could not function like that. Yeah, that's dangerous. It's so scary. Yeah. And that's why they're always, in a traditional outpatient clinic, they're always so apprehensive and so worried about making people mad and so worried about rocking Mm -hmm. the boat. I think that's a lot of what holds our profession back as a whole is nobody wants to make anybody mad because God forbid they not send me somebody. Right, right. And it's like, who gives a crap? Make people better or don't. Yeah. So are you sitting down with your patients and, and giving them advice or telling them, Giving them an opinion that's opposite of what they've heard at the orthopedic surgeon or physicians? All day long. Yeah. I showed up this morning, 5.30 in the morning. I was showing my client how to squat. She's like, this is totally different than anything I've ever heard. Yeah. Or like how many times you 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 hear like they need to have surgery or they need to have injections. And you're like, you don't need it. Yeah. I had a, I had a patient Monday tell me I'm done with doctors because he came to me for neck pain because I'm working with his daughter at CrossFit. And so he's like, well, let you know, he, Pulled a muscle brushing his teeth. <laughs> Seriously. It didn't go away for two weeks. He goes to see a physician who spent five minutes with him, if that, and gave him some medicine and walked out. And he was so upset. And he called his dad, who's a physician in India, and said, what are you doing, son? You know you should always go to a physical therapist first. Uh-huh. And so he called me and he came after his daughter and his mom were like, you need to just go see John. We see him every day anyway yeah. at the gym. Yeah. And so he came in, and one session he was feeling better, and three sessions he was ready. He's like, I'm done with doctors. I'm, I'm, like, surprised, he, I'm surprised he wasn't mad he didn't get his MRI. I know. <laughs> That's typically what they do. I'm like, look, you're going to go see a physician. I'm going to tell you. This is what they're going to do. They're going to order imaging. You're going to pay for it. Yeah. They're going to give you an injection to reduce inflammation. they give you pain medicine so you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell you to wait. Right. And then in six months when it doesn't go away, they're going to call you again. And then you're like, all right, now let's have surgery. Right. Don't do anything else. Oh my God. It's the same racket. We yeah. talk about it all day long. Yeah. They're carpenters. I know. We're painters. Everything's broken. They're carpenters. We're painters. They see an issue. They want to fix it. We have to mold it and make it and show you where to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's totally two totally different mindsets. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I get it. And I think the, pro- the thing, problem I feel is that everyone, not you and me, not people listening, but general public feels like something's wrong. I got to know what it is. It's got to be fixed. I got to do it now. And where? And they almost always go to the orthopedic surgeon or their primary care. I told a patient this morning, I said, we can't 
no matter how many infomercials you see, no matter how many people you talk to, you can't speed up the healing process of what needs to happen. And that's where the injections and the pain medicine, all that stuff makes you feel like you're better, but you're not. Mm -hmm. And you can't speed it up as much as we try. You can go get all these fancy lasers and this and break up adhesions and do all this fancy words, get rid of all your toxins. But at the end of the day, the healing process is the healing process. We have to promote it, safeguard against anything wrong happening and just allow things to work itself out and do things the right way so that you get better so it doesn't come back. Yeah. How do you think we can change people's mindset that no, I gotta go see John when I get hurt? We just have to keep putting ourselves out there, which I need to do a better job of too. Yeah. We have to keep being in front of the public. And we do two, we do as a profession, stay behind physicians. And as long as we continue to stay behind physicians, the patients will always go there first. We have to get out in front of patients more. And we have to get out in front of patients saying what they need to hear, mm -hmm. which is you're going to hear this from your physician. And when they hear it, they're like, you know, I've heard somebody tell me that before. And we need to keep being in front of them. Right. Right. Because until they hear it, they won't know. Yeah. They just, well, it frustrates me so much because if we had an unlimited budget, we could just plaster this message everywhere. But we don't have an unlimited budget. We don't. And we have a lot of good movements out there. Get PT first is yeah. great. You know, get, like they have a lot of different things out there. But a lot of it goes to other physical therapists. Yeah. <laughs> we so always talk to each other. I know. I know. It's one, it's the message. So the message is wrong message a lot of times. Yeah. I think the other thing is, is, you know, it's like who's really in front of people before they get injured? And it's not physical therapists. Right. It's trainers, gyms. You know, it's like yoga classes. And that's where I think that you've got a unique situation where you own a gym and you're with people before they actually get injured or when they get, you know, or, you know, you're more close to where, where they get injured because they've been with you. They already trust you. Maybe they don't get injured in your gym, but they go run or squat or brush their teeth. Or play kickball. Or play kickball. Or drop 10 feet from rock climbing with yeah. their sisters. And so yeah. you, they already trust you. And they're going to come to you and say, hey, John, I just, this just happened. This, they do, people do this with yoga teachers all the time. It's like, hey, I just hurt this. What do I do next? It's like they're not coming to the expert right. first. They're going to the person they trust. Right. And one, you are the expert in this situation, but most people aren't. But it's, right. I think it's really unique. So can you talk a little bit about how, like, what sets your, why did you, like, I know we know why you decided to do a CrossFit gym, but what sets it across, uh, apart from other gyms and how do you utilize that? And how is it, you know, can you talk a little bit more about like how your yeah. gym's set up to, to nurture patients or even just nurture yeah. clients? And So I would be very, I would be lying a lot if I said that it wasn't a benefit, right? Yeah. A lot of people look at CrossFit, when they hear the name, they just think people get hurt. The conversations that I have on a daily basis is I come in and I don't screen every single person. I would be completely lying if I said that I did. A lot of that is put on my coaches in that we need to see how people move. And if people are limited, we have weekly coaches meetings and we talk about potential injuries, old injuries, things like that. What are we seeing movement wise? But a lot of what I do now, so it's taken me a couple of years to kind of get my coaching staff in place to allow me to reach my client base of current members 
to be able to serve them better. So now that I've done that, these past like this past month is really when I finally started kind of kicking everything really off. I've signed up a ton of members who aren't hurt, mm-hmm. but they have drastic, crazy limitations that will not allow them to ever go overhead or will not allow them to drop into a squat. And so finally, I'm able to have the time to be able to set aside to service them. And it's been it's been really, really cool. So the way we structure our gym, first off, we don't connect really well with a traditional CrossFitter. Mm-hmm. We don't. And I say that right away. So when someone comes in, A, they've been at another gym in town for years, or they've been in another facility for years and they come to us, I already know off the bat, they're probably not a good fit for us because we don't rip our shirts off. We're not slamming weights. We're not screaming and hollering. We're not cussing in our music. Um, we don't do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a totally different feel. Our market is the 30 to 50 year old, target market is a 30 to 50 year old professional with kids whose main goal is to be healthy for long term. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the way we structure it, like yesterday we did a one rep max on snatch. You will see on there, you will take 20 minutes to work up to a one rep max on squat or on snatch. And then a disclaimer, you will not go heavier on the weight unless a coach approves it, period. End of story, that's it. So you will see members will stand there. All right, I'm ready. Okay, then you walk over and you watch them and you approve it. They can go heavier, not heavier. That's very different than traditional gyms. It's very different than what we do. My head coach currently is an occupational therapist as well. So I have two medical professionals that work in our gym And I've had people who have gone to other gyms, they've had low back pain, shoulder, rotator, whatever, all these different things have come to our gym specifically because we are medical professionals. It's just totally different mindset. It's a totally different feel. Everybody around town is starting to hear about it. We do not connect well with the blowhards. Mm -hmm. You have had some people come from other CrossFit gyms, right? I have. But I I I feel like it was because they, they weren't getting what they needed yeah, they, they they don't they they don't connect well with that yeah. with with they hear about us now the reason we have we charge a lot more mm-hmm. than everybody else too so by us charging a lot more it like how you get great clients by us charging more we get better members but we do a lot of on it so like this is part of the reason they'll be at the other gym and they'll pay a hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. they come to us and we're like we're one sixty a month. That's almost a 50% increase. There's a little more than 50% right. increase in, in, in payment. That's a huge change to them. So they think that they're going to get the same lackadaisical coaching with us that they do there. Mm-hmm. And then when they come in and they actually experience it, they see the members, they all look like each other. And that like, we don't, you don't see us with our clothes off. We're right. all clothed, you know? And then once they experience it and they feel it and they're like, okay, now I see why you charge more. Now I understand. Oh, I have this. And we'll give them like two simple, easy stretches. Here's a levator stretch. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, that's so much better. I never would have gotten this over there. Yeah. So that makes us very different. I even feel like working at your gym, like one, I'm a PT, you know, and I kind of, I know some other things to do, but I feel like if I'm doing something different or I want to modify, it's one, you guys offer lots of modifications and scaling options. Two, I feel like I could just go and do it. And occasionally someone will, you know, one of the coaches is not familiar with me will say, hey, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just 
doing this because, you know, my overhead, I'm not good the for overhead. automatic response, whenever we're doing snatches or something, and Aaron goes and grabs a kettlebell, I'm like, oh man, he hates us. Yeah. That's like the coach's mentality, like, all right, what did I do wrong? How did I mess this up? And they're like, no, that's Aaron. So I always tell them, like, if they're going to coach you, they, and we have other members that are like that, right? Yeah. Look, if John shows up, that's one of our other members, and you're, it's a 10-minute workout, and we're six minutes in, and he just puts his row away, and he gets ready to head out. He's good. Yeah. He's just going to – he's like, I've gotten enough for today. I'm going to see you tomorrow. If Aaron shows up, he grabs a kettlebell. He's good. He's just doing it a little different. Right, right. <laughs> but I feel like I've been other places traveling or even here in Greensboro where it's like that wasn't an option. Like it's right. not even presented as an option. It's not even – like it's the first place I went, I can't remember. I think we were doing some kind of snatch or – What's the one where you split snatch or something like that? You know, we were doing it and I was like, oh, my knee didn't feel right. And I asked the coach, I was like, oh, it looks good. So we modified. But it, when I look back on it, one, I know it was uh, like they shouldn't have loaded me with a 45-pound bar and at least, you know, what do I have? 65 pounds for the yeah. first time doing Olympic lifts. This should have been PVC or 15-pound training bar just yeah. to get the movement. But that wasn't presented as an option. It was like, go get the men's bar. A forty-five pound bar because and, and, you know work out to failure. You know I, I've fired coaches for doing the same thing. Yeah, I hate it. It's probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do as an owner. But I have had a coach who would get really irritated if a member needed to modify or do something that wasn't written on the board. And I was like, dude, I don't give a crap about CrossFit. I care less. I want these people to be healthy. I want them to be able to live their life to the fullest. We are here to help them get the most out of their life. Mm-hmm. Doing a snatch may not be what they need to get the most out of their life. Maybe they need to do something different. And it's the same in physical therapy. Like, I get that they're gonna, insurance is gonna reimburse this or whatever it is. That doesn't mean you do it. Right. You have to just do what's best, you know? Who cares? Right, and what that's the thing is like, people are gonna do what you tell them. So like, for me, it's like, hey, I'm a physical therapist, I'm somewhere else, it doesn't feel quite right. Coach says it still looks good, so I modified, but like my knee hurt for like a month. And this is a knee that never bothered me. I knew, I found out a couple of years later at an SFMA course that it was like my left ankle, yeah. you know, which still is something I'm working on, but it's like, oh. but it's like, I come in and modify, but yeah, it's like, who cares if it's CrossFit and exercise to failure? It's like, I just, people just need to move. They just need to move. They need to be empowered to do things that are, that are outside their comfort zone, but yeah. safe. But I still come in and work out gym like, oh my God, I can't believe that person is doing that. But it's they are also not having any pain, or I'm assuming they're not yeah, hurting. They're not. Yeah. And just movement to me looks like crap, but you know. As but a, there, how many times have you seen us like something looks bad and then you go over and then some people yeah. just don't listen? Yeah, some people don't listen. You, know, you guys modify. I mean, that's the thing. It's people have their own personal responsibility I've to care had, of themselves. I've too. had my, the occupational therapist, uh, Taylor, come talk to me and she's like, I'm really frustrated today. I'm like, what's up? They're not listening at all. <laughs> she was like, they're not listening to anything I say today. And I'm like, all right, well, how are you presenting it? Well, I didn't sleep last night or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. all right, yeah. change your conversation. Well, I had that same thing teaching yoga. You know, we're doing, there's a core, you know, core stuff and people are just trying to fly through it. I'm like, you're not, your core's stop. not stable. I'm like, stop. I'm like, put a yoga block on your stomach and make sure it doesn't move. And then people, they just don't, they just feel like they need to, they don't understand in their body. Yeah what like what needs to happen and it takes so much patience to deliver that i think so not only do they not know what to do but they don't know like so that goes into the 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 mentality of like people are we are always constantly making poor decisions yeah and when it comes to like a lot of things that'll connect with this is 
when it comes to charging what you're worth or charging what it is, or why should I invest in myself with you or with someone else? Like when someone comes to CrossFit with us and we charge more than everybody else, and it's like, why should I do that? Well, you're worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to make that investment in yourself, you're not willing to do the things that are necessary to invest in yourself, you're never actually going to go where it is. And it's a lot more of either like the couple things could be fixed, right? My conversations with them could be better or they need to just like have a little time to have a little self-awareness and understand you have a problem. Your problem is you have gained 25 pounds. Mm -hmm. You eat like crap. You don't move. You have pain. You hurt. Here's a solution. Well, I don't want to pay that much. Well, are you really tired of having an extra 25 pounds? Yeah. Are you really tired of eating like crap? Because it doesn't sound like you are. It sounds like you're perfectly fine with that. Why did you come to me in the first place mm -hmm. knowing that I charge more than everybody else and knowing that it's a pretty significant... If a family comes in, they're paying 400 bucks a month. Right. You know, for three or more, it's a pretty big investment monthly for them to do this. Are you tired of the status quo? Because it'll take that much investment from you because I'm going to charge enough where you're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't show up, you're going to cancel because it's too much money. So are you going to invest in yourself, spend the money and do what you need to do to get better? Or are you going to continue with status quo, which is not where you want to be? Right. You know, and I've had to have that conversation with myself in physical therapy. Am I going to invest my time and my focus to grow the clinic or not? And mm -hmm. for the past two years, it's been a lot more focused on the CrossFit. My time and energy has gone into CrossFit. What has grown? CrossFit. Right. What's not grown? Clinic. The clinic. Yeah. Now that I'm actually focused on it, I'm actually getting 25 plus people a week yeah. because I'm actually focused on it and actually growing it. And if I'm investing my time and my money and my energy, it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. You know? Why'd you choose to focus on CrossFit first? <sighs> my eggs were kind of in that basket in that you don't need to do it the way I did it. The way I did it is just, I'm super passionate about the strength. I'm super passionate about getting people moving in general. So I loved it. I think a lot of it had to do with, I didn't believe in myself as a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. I believe in myself a lot more as a CrossFit coach. It's taken me two years to get to the point where I'm like, I actually can fucking do this. <laughs> right. Like I finally sent Courtney a message. It was like six weeks ago or so. And I was like, I'm actually can do this. She's like, it took long enough, uh -huh. you know, it's a lot, all my limitations are for me. Um, but I decided to do the CrossFit first because I was so confident and that I wanted to charge 150 a session, 160 a month. That's easy. Right. You know? And so for me, mentally, I could sell that. And then going all in at the gym that I was at with the monthly fee, it was like, I got to go all in. I got to go all in, grow the CrossFit to a point where I'm paying rent and we can get it. And then I wanted to kind of build local celebrity and that everybody knows who the local CrossFit owner is. So I felt like Courtney always makes fun of me when I say local celebrity, but you know what I mean, is that I want to be known as the physical therapist who owns the CrossFit gym since I'm new to town. Right. You don't need to do that. I can move to Boise, Idaho right now, run some Facebook ads and do some Google and do things the way you've taught me and Paul taught me is that I could do that today and show up and run grow a clinic. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But I don't have 53 five-star Facebook, Google, I mean, Google <laughs> reviews like you do. I don't know. <laughs> one of the, two of those are from me and Courtney. I know. That's awesome. I know. Oh, I, I think I, if I haven't left you one. No, you have. Yeah, yeah, you I have. left you one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was the point at which you realized that this was going to work? Like, what was, was there a tipping point at which 
you're like CrossFit gym, like you're like, oh, it's good. Now I can do the clinic or just the tipping point, which, okay, I'm ready to do the clinic and it's now working. You're seeing a lot of people a week, you know. Huh? It was monthly revenue at the gym. Mm-hmm. We're two years in. I finally got the clinic tour. And then it was, honestly, it was having staff that I trust. Yeah. And I finally have another medical professional in who I trust to be able to do things the way they need to be done. And I'm like, the weight is off. Because the other coaches that I had that were full-time needed a lot of babysitting. A lot of babysitting. And so I kept feeling like I couldn't focus on it. Mm -hmm. And I would just do some PR in home health to kind of make ends meet and pay the mortgage so that I could just focus on babysitting them. And so I finally put somebody in place. I'm like, finally, let's grow this. And she, being an OT, needs extra income. So the other thing is like, I'm either freaking on this pony or I'm off. I'm either jumping on the horse or I'm off. So let's grow so she can get patients, I can get patients, Mm -hmm. and let's do this thing. Awesome. So it was bringing on staff, bringing on the right staff. Bringing on the right staff. That allowed you to reach the... Get over the tipping point, over the mountain. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you did wrong bringing on the wrong stuff? Like what are some lessons that you learned? Actually go through the process, make people go through the process. The first coach I had was good, but he just didn't, he was just, he was just not a good worker. And then the second one I did, I put her in and I, I pushed her too hard and she burned out. Mm-hmm. She's not used to working more than 20 hours a week. So I didn't know that because I didn't vet her properly. Mm-hmm. The third coach, I, he didn't go through any process. Yeah. And so when you talk about the hiring process and how to hire somebody, how to hire admin staffer, this final coach actually went through it and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, and then you get better buy-in. But it's, you gotta put people through the process and you can't make it emotional. And I think so many times it was like, I just wanted help, so I don't care, just come help me. Like, I'll pay you. Just come help me. And right. uh, that was not the way to hire somebody. I, they got to go through the process. Yeah. It's taken me that long to figure it out. What's your hiring process like? So I will usually a lot of times I know, like I'll either put out an ad and they'll fill it in. The first step they've got to send. Now I forget everything off the top of my head, but they've got to send me the resume. They've got to send me why they want to be there. And they've got to do a seven minute video. Mm-hmm. So they'll do that. And then I bring them in. I meet them, show them the space, kind of explain to them again what's going on, that'll be like the first kind of like meet you kind of informal interview. Then I do an official interview. Then I make all my coaches staff meet them. Mm-hmm. I try to make them meet everybody. I'll have them come in and then I'll make them coach a class. I'll let our members meet them and then i ask my members about them. Yeah. And then I'll make the offer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like 18 things. Yeah. No, I'm going through the same thing right now, looking for someone. It's I know. like, no one's going through the thing, but the right people usually end up on the other side. The right people end up on the other side. It's not hard. It's not yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's not a difficult process. It's actually easier application system than working for hospitals or home health or any other big clinics. Because it's all online. You, don't, you, you may get a phone call. You may not. Right. right. Yeah. What are some of the things that, uh, so you got the process, not hiring by it has caused some issues. So. I want to dig into this a little bit. Is that okay? Because yeah. like, I know you've had to like fire people and let go of them. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Like I haven't had to do that yet. Yeah, it's hard. You know, what did you like? What was that like? And what were some of the things you'd do different next time? Like what worked, what didn't work? Uh, you got to have conversations. The first coach, 
I, I could have, looking back on it, I could have been better at my communication skills. Even though I've told him 15 times, you can't show up 10 minutes late for class, he would continue to show up. And then whenever I fired him and I said, you keep showing up 10 minutes late for class, he looked at me and said, I didn't think that was a big deal. <laughs> and I was like, that's why you're not here anymore. I've had this conversation with you eight times. So I don't, you know, I should have obviously been a little more clear on what I was trying to ask for. My last coach came in and I really liked him a lot. And then he started really, I should have fired him way sooner. Mm -hmm. I would have fired him way sooner. The first week he, he like yelled at a member like a first week. And I was like, hey, he's just having a bad day. The guy was being, you know, whatever. And it was really him. And I would have pulled the trigger a lot faster and fired him sooner. Yeah. They always say hire slow and fire fast. And now I truly understand that because I let him go about two months longer than he needed to. Yeah. Is that like, you can't put up with anything as the owner. Like if you need something that, that needs to be done a certain way, you've got to stand there. You've got to have the conversation. You've got to talk. You cannot be emotional. You can't have sentiment. You can't feel sorry or this or that. Like numbers need to be hit. Metrics need to be hit. If we're losing members because of the way you're treating them, you got to go. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting a phone call from somebody complaining and it happens again, you're gone. You know, you got to be on the bus or off the bus. The bus is going to continue to drive. We're going to keep going. This rocket's going to the moon, so you can either get on or get off. Right. Um, and let's go. You know. But you, I would be very, very, very clear in conversations. So expectations. What expectations need to be set. So I've actually put out metrics of like, we need member retention to be at this percentage. We need new member signups to be at this percentage. Mm -hmm. We need to, you know, this at that percentage. And whether it's hit or not, I don't give a crap, but I need to know that they're working towards that. And those are metrics that I can use to let them go right. or give them a promotion, which I want to do with this new coach. So. Yeah. Like everyone wants to, like, I want to be able to give everybody who works for me a promotion and they have to also perform. <laughs> they because have to like, be able to meet just you. Just as a person isn't good enough. It's not good enough. And I can no longer do it based on liking people. Yeah. I can't like anybody anymore. I hate that, but I can't, I can't. we have to be able to, we have to serve our clients. Right. And in order for us, for our clients to get the most out of us, we have to meet certain numbers. We have to. If they're not meeting them, then that person's not getting what they pay for. Right. They're not getting it. We they have to meet with they have to get what they're paying for. Or else I can't charge it. Yeah. Okay. What's the number one thing you learned in twenty eighteen? Because when we're recording this, it's like the end of December. So what would you learn in twenty eighteen? What are you gonna do differently in twenty nineteen? Focus. Period. I learned that where my money, my time, and my efforts are focused that's where good things happen. And if I'm half in on one and half in on something else, nothing gets accomplished mm -hmm. and I need to focus. So I spend too much time doing other things or dabbling in this versus actually focusing on it and actually getting it done. And so that's that's focus, 100%. I, did a, I, I saw a thing where it was like how much you focus and how much time you put into it versus like this percentage success of the business. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that stat or whatever? And it's mm -hmm. like, if you do 90 and 90, 90% focus, 90% time, 
time investment or whatever it is. I forget the I forget what it is. I'm saying this all wrong. It's like a 70% chance of the business succeeding mm-hmm. on the whatever. I don't know what it is. But it makes so much sense. Right. You know? Look at how your clinic and everything has grown since you've been able to do this. You've been able to focus a lot more on, you know, the coaching side of it, the consulting side of it. And you've put great people in place where their sole focus is the clinic. The the clinic is continuing to grow. And now the coaching side is really growing because you're all in now. Mm -hmm. All your time and energy and focus has been able to do this because you've got the right people doing that. And it's all in focus and time. Mm -hmm. It was like, uh, if you're like, like when you're right racing bikes, if you're looking off the side of the cliff, you're going to fall off the cliff. Off the cliff. Yeah. Like when you're in California, you got these descents. Like so, in the Bay Area, did you ever do the you know, Marin Headlands Loop and yep. the and like halfway up to Mount Tam, you go up one side, you come down the other, and you just like bomb these descents. Oh, you just fly. You're going like sixty five yeah. miles an hour, faster than the cars. Yeah. And you have to be looking where you want to go. Yes. You know, it's like if you put energy and focus on where you want to go rather than where you don't want to be. Right. You get there. And I think too many people are. Oh well, people aren't going to like me. What's, what's all the negative things that can happen? What are all the what are all the potential bad possibilities of all this happening? One, I think it's, you got to explore that, but you got to keep your eye on where you want to go. Yeah, honestly, I don't pay attention to that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at the only negative or downside I look at is like how will it affect me if nobody shows up, or how will it affect me if twenty people left CrossFit mm-hmm. today? You know, I look at, but I don't focus on that. I, I continue to focus on what I need to get done mm-hmm. and how can I make the impact and what do I need to do to grow? As long as I'm focused on my growth, the rest of the stuff can just go. Yeah. People talk trash about me all over the place. People say that we're a fake CrossFit. Show up. You're going to get a workout. I promise <laughs> you. You right. know what I mean? You don't beat around the bush. You're going to you bust your butt. strong people in there, We've even though you're not athletes. like CrossFit. Yeah, we're not a CrossFit, yeah. but we've got freaking almost a ton of people play division one college sports yeah but a couple professional athletes like we i mean we throw down we just don't look like freaking you know chains we don't look like what's this west side barbell you know what i mean we don't look like that you know we don't slam weights and get prs like john north we just freaking come in and get better right you know right yeah. No, that's awesome. If someone's trying to grow their business, start a practice, or even like, I don't know, finally finally get their business to where it needs to be so that they feel comfortable, like they've made it, they're, they're earning a profit, what's the number one thing that you would recommend or that people need to focus on? Do it or don't do it. Do it or don't do it. Like if you're not growing, you're obviously not investing in coaching. Mm-hmm. You're obviously not investing in yourself because if you were, you would have done it. So make the decision. Invest in a coach. I think that's super vital. Invest in your own education, your own growth, and how to run a business because we don't learn that. You've got all the clinical skills you need. Right. I promise you. Right. If you're not growing, it's your fault. If you're not doing it. So if you're going to do it, you got to do it. It's as simple as that. you got to focus on it. you got to put your time and effort and money into it. Isn't that called shit or get off the pot? Shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And that's where it's at. Like right now, that's the conversation I've had with myself. Like I have things I want to be able to attain. I would like to be able to buy my wife a nicer vehicle. 
because she drives this crappy little vehicle. And, you know, I finally got the business to a point where I can, you know, maybe get a company car or do I things know a like guy that. guy can drive it off a cliff. I know. <laughs> I know. So it's just, you know, shit or get off the pot. Just freaking yeah. do it. You know, right now, if you're trying to run a clinic, you know, right now, if you're trying to run a clinic, if you're trying to grow it, you know, you're not focused on it. And that's why it's not growing. You know that you're, you're like, for me, I was doing PRN. My focus was on doing the contract work because it was easy. I didn't have to work for it. I just make a phone call. Hey, I could take 12 more people this week. Here they are. Mm-hmm. And in the clinic, I'd actually have to work and focus on it. But when I do, I get them. Right. That's focus awesome. on it. Yeah. Do it. Fuck. Stop <laughs> right. sitting back. I know. Well, it's not like if it's going to work or not, or if it's going to work for me or not. It, it does work. Being a clinic owner does work. Cash practice owner does work. CrossFit owner works. It works. It's just like whether you decide you want it to work for you. Well, this is the thing. You've done it. So like when it comes to like investing in you, like hiring you as a coach. Yeah. Well, Aaron, you're not, you, you, you're not doing a good enough job coaching me. Well, what did I ask you to do? Yeah. Did you do A, B, C, or D? Well, no, I hadn't done that yet. That's why your fucking businesses are growing. Right. <laughs> that has nothing to do with you. Right. Hey, Aaron, my business sucks right now. All right, well, how did you go with your email follow-up system? Show me your first Facebook ad. Well, I haven't done that yet. What the hell? I'm just talking to the wall? Like, you're investing in me. You're paying me. Do the work. Right. I'm giving it to you. All you got to do is copy and paste. Basically, here it is. Do you think that's too easy? I don't know what the hell it is. Like, yeah, it's so easy. Oh my god! <laughs> Click send. I had one issue where I actually ran a Facebook ad, and like in a week, and I had nine leads, and I was like, "Oh god, I got to turn it off. I can't handle this many people." <laughs> That's awesome. I literally did that. I was like, hold on. No, because I don't have time to follow up because yeah. I'm so focused on the CrossFit and trying to do contract work. Right. Now right. I'm ready to do the clinic. No, I'm really not ready to do the clinic yet because I don't, you know? Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. Afraid of success. <laughs> Deathly afraid of success. Yeah. God, it was so funny. I literally was like, I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that happens a lot. I was like... Afraid of being too successful or afraid of it not working for them? I was afraid of going all in and failing. Yeah. I can't worry about that anymore. Like, fuck, I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. Well, what's the worst thing that happens? I fail and I go back to home health. Right. You still get a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So stupid. I think it's a luxury in our profession right now. It's a complete luxury. Yeah. Yeah, we take it. Complete luxury. All right, John, we're about ready for lunchtime. Anything else you want to add to the conversation? Anything no. else you think is important? No, I think it was good. Yeah, it was awesome. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. If someone wants to find you online or uh, stalk your practice or business, where do they go? I'm GSO CrossFit on Facebook. If you want to follow a lot of our activity, I do a lot of, we're pretty active on that. Calso Physical Therapy, I, I don't do a lot of social media stuff with that, honestly. So calsopt.com, uh, at calsopt is Instagram, at GSO CrossFit is our Instagram on that. And that's it. You can always email me, John at calsopt.com, C-A-L-S-O, if you have any questions. Awesome. So, well, thanks, thanks for being here, John. Thanks. That was great having you. Yeah. And for the Cash PT Lunch Hour, this is Aaron LeBauer, John Davidson. We'll see you guys next time.
thanks again for spending your time with us today. If you're a new listener, then thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources and links mentioned, as well as show notes over at aaronlebauer.com. If you found this podcast and information valuable to you, we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes and a shout out on social media wherever you hang out.